Hey everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Praxis Pedagogy Cascadia 21 Special Edition. In this mini-series, I share some space with the Cascadia 21 partners from BC, Washington State, Oregon State, and California. My hope is to not only highlight these wonderful partners who've built this year's Cascadia Open Educational Summit, but to also showcase some incredible work going on in their particular areas within the Cascadia region. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the other side. One. Hey everybody, welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast, the Cascadia 21 edition. I have a very special guest with me today from the state of Washington, Bo Young Che. And I, did I pronounce that correctly? That was perfect. Oh, so I'm nailing these things. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so Bo Young, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast to talk about uh, OER and OEP in your realm of the Cascadia region called Washington State. So before I go any further, how about you take a moment to just tell our listeners who you are and kind of what you do. Hello, so my name is Bo Young. I'm a policy associate of Open Education working for the Washington State Board for Community and Technical Colleges. Um, it is a state government agency in the state of Washington that supports our Washington 34 community and technical colleges. So two-year colleges in our system. And um, in my role, I support and manage a lot of open ed related initiatives um, in policy, research, legislation, professional development, and anything that has open name in it, in it I'm somehow involved. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. So how long have you been involved in, in OER and OEP? Oh, I would say about mm, eight years. Eight years? Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Survived. <laughs> <laughs> you survived eight years. Oh, yeah. Good, good. How did you first get into it? Oh, so I was actually hired as an... Um, instructional designer and uh, the LMS trainer for the Washington State Board. Um, so I, I've done that. I, I did that for a couple of years. And then um, our agency first started our system's own open educational resources project called Open Course Library. That's a really long time ago. And then um, in that project, um, they needed an additional instructional designer. So I volunteered. So I joined in the project. And two years later, I became the project manager of the project. And that's how I got into this whole um, open ed business. Okay. So what's your background academically? Oh, I have studied, uh, no, I studied um, educational technology for my bachelor's degree mm -hmm. and instructional systems for master's and instructional technology for PhD. So they're all the same thing, only different right. names. Only different names. <laughs> so so yeah. in, in short, I studied um, instructional technology for about 10 years. And okay. so I'm a very boring person, haven't studied anything beside that thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy yeah. well I'm, I'm hopefully going to be starting a phd this year i haven't heard yet haven't heard back yet but uh, oh wow by the time people listen to this i may i may have heard back but um yeah so i i i get the i start wide and go a little bit narrower and the phd is like super narrow and and that's all that's all cool what's what about information technology that gets you the most excited instructional technology is a way of looking at the system 
in a systemic and logical way. In a, you you will you are trained to look at the uh, very comprehensive system and analyze, systematize, so that you will be able to tell and break apart the system into subsystem and the super system. And eventually you'll be able to design a sensible um, the instruction to respond to that system. So, it, it, you know, it, it is um, instructional design. Design is one of the elements that you learn in that department, but it's not all of it. So the, the I, you know, the systemic thinking has been always um, something that attracts me, I mean, the, cognitively. Um, so I was so hooked into the idea of um, this complexity theory, chaos theory, system theory. And if you merge them all together into an instruction, that's instructional technology. So, yeah. So I, I remember in my uh, PhD years, we had a study group um, of students, uh, doctoral students from different departments, from physics, chemistry, to education, to sociology. And we all read this uh, Dr. Prigozhin's book, Order Out of Chaos, <laughs> yeah, to, to study this uh, chaos theory and complexity theory from all different perspectives. And I, we could all relate to what we do in the department um, from that book. So. That's amazing because you had, that's mm -hmm. quite a cross-disciplinary group oh, yeah. that you're reading the same book, right? And exactly that would be, that would be interesting to just be sitting in that room and listening to all of you chat oh, from all oh. your different perspectives and to see, it's almost like a Venn diagram in the sense that everyone brings their own perspective, but oh, there's yeah. going to be some overlaps, right? Exactly. And then, um, you know, so if, because that was, we we formed that reading group because as we were all friends before we formed that group and then we realized that we were if we were essentially reading the same book like uh you know you going back to the root of your discipline and eventually you met at the aristotle plateau yeah and then, so eventually you know in the surprise that 2000 years ago um, the books had the same thought that we now think as a revolutionary something, but it has been um, discussed for 2000 years. And I thought, why don't we just read this book together? And and, and, and frankly, there were a lot of um, the, the physics, uh, the theories and quantum physics ideas in the book that I couldn't follow my own. So I needed help anyway. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and so mm -hmm. do you guys still connect after oh, all that no it's, it's been a while that we connected but the even after i graduated i was able to um uh, continue work on this so i even ended up writing a um sort of biography of uh, bella benethy do you know who that is so bella benethy you know who i think died in early 2000 and he is the man who brought this system theory to the field of education so he's considered as a father of systems uh, theory in education and uh, he that man published uh, some of the remarkable books and I wrote a biography of his, his, his theories and published in in one of the magazine I think the name of the magazine was Educational Technology or something, but that's again a long time ago. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so though, I guess my life was not too boring before I jumped into the open end. 
Oh, I would, I would hazard to guess that your life is any, anything but boring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That is very cool. Um, so what's, what's happening in the OER OEP world right now in your region that just gets you really excited? Mm, so uh, in our system, um, about three, uh, four years ago, um, we, uh, we had this chance to finally uh, systematize this mechanism of um, informing our courses marked with open educational resources to our students. Uh, what I meant by that was that the, uh, we came up with a mechanism to uh, label the courses that use um, OER or other low-cost materials um, so that students will be able to see those courses, filter them, and they will be able to make more informed choices. So I know that this is a legislation that has been pursued by other states in the state of, in, 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 in the states as well. But the unique thing about our system is that um, it is 100% centralized. Uh, we have a one coding guideline um, applied to all 34 colleges, and it was created by four rounds of statewide surveys uh, with faculty members and the staff um, getting their feedback and insights over and over again to refine every word and rules uh, to the tiniest detail. And one of the studies involved in that process was the survey that we conducted with the uh, students. So 10,050 students responded to the survey um, in the state of Washington. I know that I remember, I still can't forget uh, those. It was a two month long survey and our Washington students, uh, Washington Community and Technical Colleges Student Association known as WAXA. WAXA leadership uh, uh, members were standing um, you know, at the school cafeteria, outside the classroom, a hallway, or the in, or it just uh, in outside, holding their iPad, explaining the intention of the survey, and encouraging their you know the fellow students to participate in. And I still can't believe they raised the number to ten thousand in a mere two month period when things are so cold outside. Yeah, so. Um, so that through that survey, we were able to identify the threshold uh, for the low cost label, you know, how low is low enough for you kind of thing. So, so that for our number, which is $50, it, it has a clear authority, which is the voice from our students. So, um, so with that, we were able to get the um, permission from our commissions and the uh, and board approval so that we could uh, really formalize it. And subsequently it, it got um, codified in our Washington legislation. And so now it is part of the state law as well. So we have, and so we not only have a state law that uh, backs up our policy, but we, it, it's coded in the state policy manual and also integrated into the state um, administrative system, which is, um, same for all sort of for colleges. And um, so I, I would say that in our system, this um, OER and low cost uh, labeling system is fully integrated and um, ready for the implementation. 
Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of work. It was a lot of system effort, the heartfelt um, support from colleges uh, and especially our students. And I will never forget those walks of leadership and you know how they felt the coast. You know, I, I like to actually share one conversation I had with the uh, walks of leadership. Um, because this is a community college, two-year colleges, and they usually graduate um, in year and a half or maximum two years, they are out of the school. So I told them that, the, you know, you do realize that this whole, this work that we are putting right now, you may not be able to get any benefit out of it because you will graduate. And they said, well, we are very well aware that we won't be, uh, we won't see the fruit of this work. However, uh, we are working on this uh, for the students who will come after us, just like we've been benefited by the work that were done by the students who were before us. I will never forget that um, such inspiring comment from a you know, student. The, um, so that selfless attitude they had, the vision they had, and for them, it is all worthwhile cost to spend, you know, to put hundreds of man hours of their own time. That is so powerful because you know that that's coming right from the systems piece where the, that's going to have the best impact, right? And to, to hear students say, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to benefit from from the spinoff of this and that's okay. I'm, I'm doing this for future students who are in my position who can really take advantage and, and use this, 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 uh, this important piece of, of their school experience. That's amazing because I imagine at two-year colleges, I imagine that they're not the same as, as regards to four-year colleges, whatever ranking those four years are at simply because of income challenges and, and family backgrounds that they come from that they may not be able to, get in and or afford some of these four-year university experiences, right? And um, if, if technical training in Washington State is somewhat similar to technical training in BC, it's very much, I need to get this training now so I can mm-hmm. go and work. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the case in Washington State? I imagine it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to have that attitude of, we're going to do this for the future students coming in. I mean, that's, that's, that's powerful. Also, uh, another th- powerful thing that we got out of the, 10, the survey uh, with 10,050 response was that the, uh, one of the recommendations that were um, made over and over again through the survey from the students was that uh, they said, um, I can get by, I have family, but I have so many students in my own class who come to the class without um, the textbook and um, we really need to create an emergency fund um, to help out those. And so our students, uh, you know, selfless attitude, um, the, their vision and how, um, you know, future forward um, idea they had, it, it really um, impressed us and, and deeply touched uh, the rest of the, in the rest of us in the system. So actually what happened was um, our students were able to raise the, um, about 7,000 or so responses and the numbers stopped there. And then I um, communicated with the systems councils and commission and let them know what our students have done and share these stories. And those truly touched them 
And these council members uh, totally rallied and connected with their own student government governance body on their campus. And they helped raise the number into 10,050. So it, I would say it was truly a, a system-wide love, system-wide empathy, empathy and system-wide vision that made this happen together. We still have a lot of challenges because when it comes to implementation, no matter how well prepared you are, no matter how much consensus you made ahead of time, still, you know, it is, it is just simply a challenge and it's unavoidable. You have to just go through it, but still, um, I was um, still, I would say uh, we are at the position where um, we could turn this uh, labeling policy into a reality for our students and for those students who visioned this years ago. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Has has COVID had any effect on OER development and, and implementation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, OER has been viewed as a critical and very uh, valuable uh, resource to help out our students who are um, in need in the past, but uh, with COVID, um, it actually raised awareness um, for our faculty members. So they they said that uh, when they are in this situation where they lost job or their partners lost job or their parents lost jobs, they just didn't have a heart to make them purchase $150 textbook for their class. So it's something that they were aware before, but it became a more, um, uh, you know, the, the apparent reality that they cannot unsee anymore. Yeah. So, you know, our system faculty members have been um, those be way before they were aware of OER, uh, putting all the effort that they could, uh, you know, to reduce the financial burden for our students. So they have been um, pretty, uh, so they, so they were, so they were spiritually there. And when OER was introduced, it was only, um, it didn't change the way they think because they were already there. It just introduced another way to go around it. Yeah. So, um, but we, you know, still, so, but I think this situation with COVID, um, it became um, even more stronger factor to convince um, some of those uh, faculty members who, I guess, ready to um, convert, but um, still needed a bit of a bit more convincing. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. No kidding. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Yeah, and I could see how that would hit close to home if if somebody's partner lost their job, right? And then you're turning around and and asking a student to pay 150, 180 bucks for a textbook when they themselves are now in a the dubious position of trying to make ends meet even more so than they were before. Right. That's powerful. That's yeah. That's great. Congratulations. I'm, I'm super excited to see uh, the trajectory of this in the future. Um, so let's talk about Cascadia a little bit. Uh, how, how did you get to be connected with uh, the Cascadia summit? Um, uh, that's two years ago, right? Two years ago, we just got an email from, a BC campus whom we have been collaborated for various uh, various OER project and have that we have been always a very close um we have been in always uh, we have been in very close relationship with BC campus all the time uh, for sharing ideas um and then um 
it was just a really nice surprise uh the idea that they suggested that you know how why don't we just combine combine our effort and co-host a conference so that our uh, members of our system could see how diverse the idea could be in and how, how the the excitement how this is a national not only national but international excitement so that I, so we actually didn't hesitate hesitate for a second. Our, our answer to the email was just immediate yes, sign us <laughs> in. <laughs> Absolutely, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, what are you looking forward to uh, this year's Cascadia? Also, well, we are for the first time we are offering this um, the conference uh, virtually, and. Uh, one of the very positive feedback we got from Washington participants for our last uh, Cascadia conference was the fact that they were able to be there in Canada, uh, meeting all the folks. And um, so I'm, I'm sure the excitement will be still there, but the not being able to actually travel to another country and having this um, intellectual uh, experience with um the 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 members whom you don't typically have a chance to um connect with and not having that uh, through this um virtual experience i'm actually a little bit concerned oh <laughs> yeah, for the so lack how, of how, connection yeah for the for yeah. the lack of connection uh, for the lack of um opportunities to just go out and enjoy have a conversation uh, go to reception and have a laugh together and all that the natural connection that you have when you meet someone face to face so i i think it will be a big uh, (laughs) job for us to bring that natural connection opportunity for natural connection as much as we can through this virtual conference (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's, that's certainly been a struggle. And mm-hmm. I've been to a couple virtual conferences since mm-hmm. March last year, which seems like so long ago. Yeah. And yeah, you could tell right away that the, the connection obviously isn't the same because you're not able to be there. But even seeing familiar faces on the screen just isn't the same. But I know that um, that we're working, we're working diligently to to try and bridge that gap as best oh, as we absolutely. can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also this gives a lot. This gives an opportunity for a lot of folks who couldn't, um, who just, you know, who just can't travel um, internationally, even if, even if they provided all the funding, still you are attached to all the obligations at home for your child and for your spouse and work and everything. So um, this might provide this unusual opportunities for those who always wanted to come to this conference in the past. So now they can, they finally can. And in the past, because it was a face-to-face conference, we have, you know, we spent a lot of man hours to deal with the legislation and refund process and everything. This year, we, um, especially BC campus have, has handled this brilliantly. And then we had this one-stop registration place without having to go through any hassle. I, I I think that was so brilliant. I just wanted to take a moment to thank the BC campus for handling this with brilliance, grace, patience, and just really kind heart. Thank you. Yeah. You're yeah. most welcome. You're mm-hmm. most welcome. It's our pleasure to do that. 
Well, Young, it's been a it's been a pleasure to chat with you these uh, these minutes here and uh, talking about your background and who we are and OEP and Cascadia. We look forward to uh, conference and, and having you there virtually with us. If there was one thing that you could uh, communicate to a faculty member who's still kind of maybe on the edge of deciding whether they should register or not, what, what would you say to them? I would say, don't feel any obligation. Just come over. Feel the conversation, check out the sessions, see if there are any interesting people that you would like to connect with. So this is no baggage, only fun, (laughs) (laughs) only gain, only for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sold. I'm in. Good to go. (laughs) Uh Oh, good. Well, thanks, Bo Young, for taking the time to be on the show today and uh, really appreciate your perspective and your insight and, uh, All the best to you as we move forward. Well, thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome.